0: Welcome to Memphis Metropolis on WYXR 91.7 FM. I'm your host, Emily Trenum. Memphis Metropolis is all about our city as an urban place, including its neighborhoods, buildings, pathways, and parks, as well as the people who shape it. Join us each week as community leaders and commentators talk with me about our shared built environment.
1: Rust College is now accepting applications for the fall 2022 semester. For more information, visit rustcollege.edu or contact admissions at 662-252-8000, extension 4043. Rust College, where tomorrow's leaders are students today.
0: Hi everybody, you're listening to Memphis Metropolis on WYXR 91.7 FM across town. I'm the host, Emily Trenum, and this week we're doing a topic that I've been wanting to do for a while, uh, which is the impact on the potential impact on Memphis for the infrastructure bill that was passed recently by the federal government. And my guest is Robert Connect, who is director of public works for the city of Memphis. So welcome to the show, Robert.
2: Oh, thank you, Emily. It's great to be here. Great to have a good discussion about this important subject.
0: Well, the infrastructure bill um formerly known as the infrastructure investment and jobs Act um and the I think the investment in infrastructure is in the neighborhood of 550 million, which I understand is one of the biggest investments in infrastructure we've ever had in this country. I've heard it um you know I've heard it sort of compared to you know the New Deal, and just kind, of, kind of of that scale, things that we really think about. So, you know, you're a person who's, who's, um, you know, been in the public works world for a big part of your career. So, why is this, why is this such a big deal for cities and, and you know, for Memphis? Why are you so excited about it?
2: Well, I mean, since we live and breathe serving the citizens and providing them. Uh, connectivity to the world that they live in. Let's just say it like that. You know, having adequate infrastructure and, and maintaining the existing infrastructure is critical. That's one of our core functions in government is, you know, having public infrastructure uh, that serves the public need and maintaining it adequately so that it's not um, uh, public health and safety. It's you know it, it meets the expectations and de- delivers the services, and especially from an economic development aspect, you know, we all have to grow. Is this you know you don't grow, you're stifled and you're not going to be able to uh, expand services or improve services as well. So I, it's a combination of you know having um, having a, a great plan for your city, having a strategic plan for your growth, and then uh, maintaining and, and funding all those needs that go along with that.
0: So we've been hearing for a long time that uh, the U.S. has has not invested significantly in its infrastructure. And you think about, um, you know, bridges that are in need of repair and, you um, and roads and so what would you say um and I know you hear from people every day about this um probably from you know elect from citizens and from elected officials so what do you what are the, our biggest local infrastructure needs and I guess not just things there are things this bill covers that aren't under your purview. So if you have um I, I don't I don't even know it's big out a term but but if you can talk about, you know, things that are in your portfolio, but things that maybe aren't um, that you that you see as the biggest infrastructure needs for our community.
2: Yeah, the, I mean, the bill is very comprehensive, as you said, there's a lot of different aspects of it. And, you know, not everything would touch, you know, my area because there's public transportation, which like MATA. So MATA is excited about some of these things. Um, but there are things like, you know, resiliency. Uh, Road road and bridges. Those are really important. Um, They even have some recycling in there, which is obviously somewhat helpful. Uh, because we do have challenges in those areas, uh, water resiliency is in there, which would also fall under us in terms of, you know, stormwater management, flooding mitigation, those types of programs that we that we manage um, from the city's perspective. And you know, so we're we do look at where the greatest um, funding opportunities lie. Where can we apply? Where, I mean, there's a lot happening right now. They're actually um, in the process of developing. The, these the putting the these bills into actual how they will be managed right there's a whole process that's going that they're going through now and we're yeah you know, we're even being we're heavily involved now in those just you know trying to make sure as they write the the as they plan this and they and they write these um, these bills or put them in action, not that writing the bill, I'm sorry. But as they plan out the, how these these funds are going to be utilized, you're getting uh, making you know are presenting our case. There's an open dialogue time period before these while they're doing this work and getting uh, making any bringing raising any concerns that we have about. Uh, let's say matching, how much match may be required and, you know um, they uh, where where the funding you know might end up and you know how it's being maybe how they're allocating it, the formulas they use those kind of things uh, we do try to get involved with early on in, in the development of uh, the language for these programs.
0: So you do have an opportunity to get involved in shaping the programs. that's great. It sounds like, um I mean, this is going to require even, I don't know about setting up new federal agencies, but for sure setting up, you know, new departments and some of the agencies. And you mentioned match. I mean, I guess, I don't know if a lot of people know, is that, you know, in most federal programs, um, local government has to... Um, provide a certain match. And I guess that can range anywhere from, you know, 10% on up, you know, a lot better than me. But I guess so most of these programs, what you're saying is they're going to require some kind of a local commitment.
2: Yeah, the most common is 80-20 is what we call it. Um, 80% federal, 20% local. That's kind of been the standard for quite some time. There are some that are lower, uh, you know, where there's, there's a more larger federal match. I and mean, There are some up to 100%. That's, that's not the normal. So we, um, so we do look at that, um, those how those work out in terms of applications for the municipalities. A lot of these funds will go through, won't be direct, we won't be a direct recipient. Um, when you talk about transportation funds specifically, they go through the Metropolitan Planning Organization, the local MPO. And there's a whole set process there that we go through because these funds ultimately end up in what they call buckets. And these buckets then are distributed by each municipality based on population and other factors. But they, there is a that's that is somewhat another competitive aspect of it. And then everybody has to have the match, so we do have to find the funding to, to maximize the use of those, and, and that's always relatively easy for a city because we were talking roads and bridges and we're obviously needing to fund those anyway. So you're, I mean, we already have a budget for those kind of activities. So you're just going to reshift some of that from dedicated to a, a matching program to help ma- get the most benefit from the taxpayers that we can.
0: So, so once the money, so even the money that comes from the federal government in some kind of a formula, you have to, might have to compete with locally, with the other, with Shelby County and City of Bartlett and other other people in the region, it sounds like.
2: Yes, and that's in, that's in all of them. I mean, there um, with regards to um, other funding programs, like uh, the funds that come in through the um, EPA, through the State Revolving Fund (SRF), they call that. Uh, that's managed by the State of Tennessee Department of Environment and Conservation (TDEC). We that's a competitive process throughout the state. So it's not local, it's statewide. And those funds come through programmatically through these kinds of infrastructure bills or through these funding mechanisms so at the federal level. And, you know, we've been fortunate to be able to leverage a lot of those and get really um, great opportunities by, by maximizing them as well. So it's, it's, about, it's about looking at the comprehensive nature of federal funding uh, on the whole and, and aligning yourself and, try to, and put, developing strategies to, to how you can, you know, uh, approach those grants, approach those opportunities, and 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 apply for them, and hopefully be su- be successful. I mean, they they do try to distribute them across across the area, so there is equity, but it's competitive.
0: Well, are there um are there? I mean, I asked you a minute ago about sort of what the urgent needs are here. Are there projects that you you think there's finally gonna you're, you're finally gonna be able to do um, because of once the funding gets here, you know, sort of long overdue projects or um, or just more being able to do more of what you regularly do. Like, what are you? Um, I guess I'm just wondering if anything will get anything locally that's in, and I know these things are planned over a long term. If anything will get accelerated or anything, like I said, you've been really wanting to see happen, will finally be able to happen. I'm just trying to give people some examples of, you know, how it would, how potentially it would impact their lives. <laughs> I'll finally be able to, um, yeah, you know, fix this street. I know anyway.
2: Yeah, a couple. I mean, a couple of things. A couple of good examples when we're talking about. Let's just talk about roadway network in Memphis. We have six thousand eight hundred lane miles of streets, and there's another nine hundred to a thousand state routes in that, including the interstates as well. So that's a, there's a pretty significant amount of road infrastructure in this in, the, in our geographic area, and you know we fund at an ad, uh, you know, it's about twenty million dollars a year out of our own budget to pave city streets, um, and you know that's. That's great, but obviously the more the, the the more funding you can get and leverage for that, the the more you can actually achieve and, and pave your roads. And the public really wants that's one of the things the public loves. They love when they get their street gets paved, right? I think nothing else signifies their tax dollars at use more than watching a new asphalt getting put down in someone's street. Sad, true. Most true. Yeah, most people don't have to deal with the police. They don't have to deal with fire, knock on wood, right? Most people don't have those interactions. So, you know, that's something that just very symbolically is a representation of government at work for them is when they get their street repaved. So obviously, the more money we get towards those kind of programs, the faster that we can make that happen. And the cost is going up. That's the challenge that we're all facing. Material costs go, have gone up quite significantly because of the, the pandemic. Um, labor costs have gone up significantly because of the pandemic you know so we are seeing it the cost to do the same work going up so that, that's going to have some, such somewhat of a detriment on these increasing funds uh, but you know that's just what we're going to have to deal with until things stabilize um other things that you were talking about that kind of that, that kind of on the horizon or discussions are um expanding increasing road networks uh, there's been a discussion about replacing the bridge, the I-55 bridge, by the state, uh, they're looking at potentially doing that. Obviously, we all know what happened with I-40 bridge recently and the impacts it had. So there's a lot of there's a lot of discussions from TDOT on what they need to do on, on the infrastructure. Of, I mean, the maintenance and management of the interstate system, so that they can ensure uh, that, that that massive amount of traffic that, that inter, the interstate traffic is able to you know successfully navigate through this area as well. Um, and then there, uh, there's been this discussion about Lamar, you know, about Lamar, about the actual future growth of the 69, um, I 69 corridor. So all that's, I think, potentially going to proceed potentially maybe further now because there's more funding towards those kind of uh, ideas.
0: Well, I think yeah, most people would say Lamar is overdue, and I'm guessing these, um, you know, a lot of, you know, recently a lot of. You know, street repavings have been, you know, deployed in, in conjunction with what p- people call sort of complete street treatments, you know, bike lanes and pedestrian. And I'm assuming that these funds aren't restricted. Those would be able to, um, those would be part of the, to the extent that those were going to be part of the project, that that could be, that could be done. So maybe we could look forward to some of that as well.
2: Well, complete streets are in our UDC. And so once it, it's, it's approved, as part of our you know our zoning and part of our plan. Yeah, that all that is included: bike lanes, um, you know, even upgrades to sidewalks and other types of uh, public pedestrian safety improvements. Well, those would be a safety improvements. Typically, are included in that. So it is, we do look at it holistically as, to the degree possible uh, to ensure we get the the benefit of all those opportunities.
0: Well, and I kind of wonder also, I I just a couple of days ago, you know, walked over the big river crossing at sunset and which of course is an amazing experience. And I will, and I'm, I'm just sort of wondering out loud if there's going to be any, you know, really, you know, exciting new pro. And you probably, maybe you don't know, but if, if any exciting new projects could come out of this um, out of this build, things like that, that are really Not just, I mean, street repaving obviously is incredibly important, but things that are sexier.
2: (laughs) Yeah. And uh, I was actually um, involved from the beginning from the BRX. You know, I was actually the the, con- the the project manager for the city, so I was there from the beginning till the end of that project. And I still, well, we're still managing it now. That's a great example of a project that had thirteen funding sources. You know, that all ultimately make that happen. And the big piece was the Tiger Grant that we got from the federal government to to actually build the the bridge itself across the Mississippi River. And it's a wonderful amenity. You're absolutely right. The um, Kent. Really pick up, think of something that's re- re- recently that is so, has such an impact. But uh, we do have some great stuff planned for the, Miss, uh, the Mississippi Riverfront that I am incredibly excited about. Um, tourism is growing on the river uh, there's a lot of riverboats that are planning to expand their services. They want to make Memphis a hub, a main hub for their um, for Bill for Street Landing. So we're looking at potentially expanding that. We're looking at um, improving the Greenbelt Park area as part of this. Uh, we're looking at some other really cool ideas in terms of uh, the Wolf River Harbor. Um, there, so there's a lot of great stuff planned down the Mississippi River you, obviously not only with Tomley Park being totally reimagined, but all the just up and down the riverfront area, we have some really innovative and creative ways to reactivate and enhance it, uh, bring more tourism dollars, bring more um, interest downtown. your know, downtown is booming. So I think there's a, there's some very exciting stuff that we hope to to make use out of these funds and application of.
0: So the timing can't be better because some of those projects you mentioned, like the, you know, building out the, the ability to host, um, you know, more river boats. I mean, I think that's a wonderful idea, but those things are expensive.
2: Yeah. But if the, but the, the economic benefit beyond just the activity is huge to local economies. Uh, all those realization of all the um, hotels and food and support to, for those activities are constantly proving much more beneficial than just the the direct activity of itself you know we can we can charge somebody for use of the of the facility you know that we can charge the the the, the st- the cruise lines, you know, passenger use, but there's a lot more in benefit to the municipality, to this Memphis that, you know, that's multiplies that much to the much higher degree. So that's why there's, and most people may not understand that, that when you have an economic development opportunity like that, they only see that you're spending $10 million to improve the, that area. They don't realize that all the hotels, all the food industry, all the um, suppliers who have to provide the service to that, all and all the jobs that go along with that, how how much real benefit it does mean to a city, uh, beyond just that 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 cost revenues that on the front side. Oh sure, the impact from
0: a from I mean, there's a reason. There's this the official name of this bill says it's the Jobs Act. I mean, I think it's going to be a major jobs generator. So if you're just joining, as you're listening to Memphis Metropolis and WYXR ninety one point seven. FM And I'm talking to Robert Connect, who's the director of public works for Memphis. And we're talking about potential local impact from the recent federal infrastructure bill. So one question I had, and I know, you know, just like, you know, nonprofits, local governments don't want to sort of chase the money. But I was wondering, looking at all the different buckets, if there there was anything that isn't necessarily, wasn't a top priority, but um, you might the city might move up on its priority list because of um, because the bill has money for it, like I'm making electric vehicle charging. I mean, just using that as an example. Are there things that are funded here that we haven't really done that much with, but now you might might move up a little bit on the on the wish list?
2: Well, I can't think of anything. I mean, I mean, obviously, the city's been focused on broadband quite a bit. And that's kind of become a new component because you know there a lot of things that we've learned about you now in smart city to smart city broadband has become really crucial so those are newer um, avenues and new opportunities for um, um, us to explore I um, I know we have a plan for that the city has a smart city plan I'm not directly involved in that but there but there are divisions in city government who are and that, that those are kind of opportunities that are newly that we're newly trying to um, look at explore and fund because you know the pandemic taught us a lot of things about you know difficulty in, in providing uh, broadband connectivity uh, you know network connectivity to citizens who had to work from home or kids who had to, uh, to go uh, go to school remotely
0: well um and also I noticed that the um that a big part of the Bill is funding for resiliency and disaster preparedness and of course we've um you know in Sh- Sh- Shelby County you know has invested a lot in that and um you know we developed a resilience plan and we've you know funded some projects some important projects like the 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 project in Millington and some some work on the Wolf River and it seems to me like since we've already have the plan for that that we would be again I know it's Shelby County and not Memphis specifically but it seems like we would be really teed up to um to go after some additional funds to for resilience projects.
2: Well actually that was uh, Shelby County was recipient of that $32 million resiliency grant but half that's coming to Memphis. So uh, Big River, Big Creek got one portion of it, but we got the other half. So we actually are utilizing that resiliency grant in a couple of ways. Um, South Cypress Creek and um, over there off of the Wolf River, uh, Tom, uh, Rodney Baber Park. So we there are um, things we've done in those regards and resiliency is becoming yeah, obviously really critical. Uh, especially from a flooding perspective and, you know, protecting homes, protecting property. That's a, we we've actually, you know, have a stormwater master plan effort underway. And so we're we're doing lots of things to be more proactive. And then le- and then talking about resilient government. And that's because that's because a very important part, but, you know, strategic as well. You know, you want to look to kind of incorporate as much resiliency uh, as into these kind of concepts as you can.
0: So you mentioned this, that, that um, this, this, the state gets its own bucket of funds. And of course, a lot of the roads we think of as sort of Memphis main roads are actually state highways, like Summer Avenue, I think is a state highway. So do you expect to see, do, do, we, do, you have any, do we have any influence on how those dollars get spent, uh, the state dollars here? And you expect to see some kind of improvements to those, to state facilities as well because of this bill?
2: Well, we interact with the state quite a bit uh, and just, just kind of talking about priorities. Uh, what are, you know, what are the things that we feel the state should consider? Uh, that I mean their network of roads and bridges. Obviously, they have a great plan and they do a good job of trying to manage their, their system and keeping it in good condition. But, you know, when you're talking about like maintenance of and care of certain, yeah, we, we we do have regular communications um, about they like, you know, simple things sometimes, you know, most people don't even think about this, how, how often they cut in the grass on the interstate, you know, because it becomes unsightly. So, yeah, we, we talk into that level of detail and encouraging them to expend more resources in Memphis on on maintenance of their systems and improvement to their systems and they they uh, memphis has been beneficial i mean but they again they're, they're talking about a major improvement to crump and to the i-55 you know bridge i mentioned that a little bit ago so they've you know they've been in discussions of, you know about that with us um and then the i-69 corridor right where we keep talking about that so they they do take into consideration our concerns and our thoughts um and here, I, here's another great example uh, Elvis Presley Boulevard, which is a state route, you know, which is, you know, it's actually a federal highway. We are we are locally managing that project for TDOT. You know, the city is the working out the improvement enhancements of Elvis, Elvis Presley Boulevard, uh, you know, basically um, from Brooks all the way down to Shelby Drive, and that's a multi-year, multi-tier, thirty-plus million dollar project that we've completed one phase of. So that that we do that's how how our partnership with the state works and how it has to work closely. Because some things we want to do, we want to manage locally, that would be a, a state project.
0: Yeah, the work on Ellis Presley Boulevard is, you know, very important. You talked about, you know, that's what people pay attention to when their roads, I think people in neighborhoods like Whitehaven, I mean, those investments are very important to communities, especially when they're, you know, trying to attract new investment and in fact, seeing new investment. You think of also Fraser as a neighborhood that's seeing a lot of new investment And, and um, I'm sure some of the funds will be, you know, allocated to support those investments. Well, I guess last question, I mean, the, um, you know, these, when, with the exception of, you know, stimulus dollars from COVID and those kinds of things, I mean, and we talked about this a little bit, you know, these kind of things take a long time to reach the local level. And what's, what's, and then once you and then once the money gets here, of course, infrastructure projects take a long time to do. Um, so, what's your what's your best thought about when the first the first money will hit this the city's checkbook?
2: <laughs> well, it, it, this was a five year funding strategy, right? So it pushes the funding through to twenty twenty six. like I mentioned before, they have a they're working on the you know executing the bill. And developing all the programs, and 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 taking what was written into the bill it was a—I forget how many pages it was—1,800 pages, I think, of documents that has to be gone through, and 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 taking that information and putting it into actual use. So it's going to be, uh, you know, several months. I've heard, you know, probably through the middle of next year, maybe, to get all that worked out, and then. The funding, hopefully, within once uh, that's all approved and set up, then it'll start working its way through the system. And then you're talking about yeah, an app, a whole application process and going through and uh, identifying how those funds, you know, you you were going to apply those funds and where they would go to. So I, you know, typically six months to a year probably would not be a, a bad estimate before at the earliest before these funds can actually put to work.
0: So d- does the money have? To, I mean, one thing they think talk about in in Transportation funding, and I guess probably in other kinds of federal government, is the money isn't necessarily spent in a certain period of time, but it's committed. So when you said it's a five-year bill, does that mean funding you get has to be committed in a, you know, within five years after the President Biden signed the
2: bill? Well, typically, no. I mean, they are going to make a commitment. The funds typically can go beyond that window a little bit it just depends on how the the law how it's actually written uh what how, and under the guidelines that they're going to establish for this so most of the time though they will work very closely with the states because a lot of these things again are going to go through the states there's not these all there's not any direct allocations to cities this is all federally going to work its way through those those systems like TDEC and uh, the uh, dot's so yeah you're going to definitely have to um we have, keep an eye, we have to keep an eye out when, those, when they actually press those information out to the, to the local agencies for when um, you know when you can uh, see or start applying. But again, a lot of these are not new programs too. Very few of these are new programs, so it's increased funding towards existing programs too. So I guess R F uh, the, the funding the N P O gets, or you know we, those are we're already going and, and putting our, uh, our information in, and so we're ready as soon as those funds are available, we're ready to start uh putting them to work yeah i guess preparation is key to because you need to
0: be yeah you need to have everything teed up the you know i guess to say something things are shovel ready is a little bit of a cliche at the moment but i guess you do have to kind of have everything in place so when at the minimum your applications are ready to go if you're not actually you know ready to spend the money
2: well, it's good to you say that. And, and here's a good representation of something that does help locally that we maybe has not been shared yet because it's still kind of new. The state recently freed up 1.4 billion dollars in ARPA funds, right? And uh, that's the recent COVID bill that was passed, and they it passed out for some time. And the city actually got a direct allocation of 168, I think it's 168 million dollars or 163 million dollars in ARPA funds. However, the state decided, well, we have these funds that we need to then put to work. So they went out and gave the money to the state of Tennessee's Department of Environment and Conservation, TDEC, who then put out a, a went through a lengthy discussion with the recipients. Because it was gonna to go to the counties directly and the county was gonna then split it out. Well, we said, Hey, we don't think that's fair. We think we should be a direct recipient because it's gonna be hard for the county to execute in the time. And so already was a key element, you know, stuff that can be spent in two years. I like twenty it has to be spent also by twenty twenty-six. I'm sorry. So it's not it, you know, it's got a very short duration turnaround time. So, you know, that we were able to, you know, submit our comments and, and benefit. On behalf of that, because originally the city would have gotten by population, I think, $77 million. Uh, When we submitted our comments and it came back, now we're getting $98 million. So, So we were able to increase that $20 million of funds towards uh, water and wastewater needs and it is going to be very selective it can't just be for anything that's a very targeted funding source or targeted in usage but that helps us because we have a lot of needs in those areas that we would have to fund not uh, through those re- through those um, enterprise funds for example
0: and that make free up sub- money from this infrastructure bill for um, exactly. or other things. So that's actually very interesting. I had not heard that. Well, congratulations on securing that additional money because uh, it's really needed. And I think that that money will probably, I think the ARPA funds or the, you know, the, I've just heard that those, you know, the relief funds, the special funds just, just move a lot faster. Um, and so those will probably be available pretty soon, I'm guessing, because the city already has allocated its initial allotment. Isn't that right?
2: Yeah, we already spent a council already. We went through that city budget, um, city administration presented it to council and they worked out a plan to execute those funds. And so they did uh, do that quickly, obviously, because it was important to, to supplement the city's budget and support those those things that needed to be supported. Um, the ARPA funds that came from the state, like, they, they just had so much of it, they didn't know what to do with. It. And I think they came up with a, an idea that we're going to take 300 million for, I think, for ourselves and free up the rest to these local agencies because there's so much need out there. Okay.
0: Okay. Well, this has been, I I happen to be very interested in infrastructure, obviously. And so this has been super, super fascinating. And um, so you've been listening to Memphis Metropolis and WYXR 91.7. I've been talking to Robert Connect, who's the Director of Public Works for Memphis, and we've been talking about the local impact of the federal infrastructure bill. And he didn't actually tell us when when everyone's street was going to be repaved, but um, but some of that's coming, going to be coming, and then hopefully some other big and really
2: transformative projects. So thank you so much for coming on the show. Thank you so much for having me, Emily. It's been great talking to you. Look forward to maybe a chance again in the future. Absolutely.
0: You're listening to Memphis Metropolis on WYXR 91.7 FM. Have you checked out any of WYXR's other shows? You can see the whole program guide on our website at wyxr.org. And while you're there, please consider making a donation. We're a brand new station lifting up everything Memphis, and we need your support. But don't go away. Stay tuned for the rest of the show.
3: The Dillard family of companies, including Dillard Door and Security, Tri-State Glass, and Trace Electric, are proud sponsors of WYXR. For the past 75 years, the Dillard companies have provided products that secure Memphis, from installing the iconic gates at Graceland to the Memphis Tigers Liberty Bowl locker room. Dillard protects what matters to Memphians like you. For more information, visit dillarddoor.com. You've been
2: taking my love for granted.
0: Hi, everybody. Welcome to the second half of Memphis Metropolis and WYXR 91.7 FM. And this week, I'm joined by regular commentator Charlie Santo, who heads up the city and regional planning department at University of Memphis. So welcome back, Charlie.
1: Thanks, Emily. Happy to be here.
0: So I was very excited to have Robert Connect on the show and really revealing my... I think anyone listening to the show knows that I'm a total nerd, but that just... When I told people I was going to have a show about infrastructure, Mm -hmm. you know, I thought even, oh, even though it's uh, this, it's all audio, I think I could see some eyes glazing over. (laughs) I could hear (laughs) people's eyes glazing over. But infrastructure is, you know, it's the ultimate boring but important. And, um, you know, roads, tunnels, bridges, sidewalks, and a lot of other things, too. But things we really, you know, take for granted but are incredibly important as we move around the earth. And this bill is, you know, one of the, after decades of, you know, having very poor maintenance of our infrastructure, this bill, even though it's not enough, is the biggest infusion in many decades, probably in more than a century. So I was excited to have Robert on. So you listened to the interview with him. So what, what were your thoughts about it?
1: Well, I thought it was really fascinating. I mean, I think it is a obviously, even though infrastructure can be a really boring topic, it, it really is a big deal, um, you know, for the future health of of our country and all of our cities. We had another bridge collapse tragically uh, in Pittsburgh uh, just recently, so it really goes to point out the the need for this kind of uh, increased funding. But the conversation with what one of the things I, I sort of took from the conversation with Robert was just how complicated this world of infrastructure funding is, um, you know, we've got this, all right, we passed the bill. There's a bunch of money out there. And then you got to think about how it gets distributed. There's like six different levels or cabinet, cabinet level agencies involved. And then the money has got get, has to get distributed to States. And then, you know, Matt is involved and the MPO is involved. And there's just sort of this super bureaucratic process that makes it really difficult for the average citizen to understand um, how that translates to their daily life.
0: Well, and one thing I didn't ask him, and this is really, because is what I call it, would be a, a two beer conversation. And we didn't have time for that is, you know, the cost of infrastructure. I mean, you and I, Last year, I listened to a fascinating podcast by Ezra Klein from the New York Times about why infrastructure building is so expensive in the United States. And then I made you listen to it. And we didn't do a show about it. Um, you and I talked offline about it, but it's, was, it was fascinating. I mean, infrastructure is incredibly expensive anyway. And then the United States is particularly expensive for a variety of reasons. But, um, and I didn't ask director connect about that because I didn't. Give him fair warning, and, <laughs> um, and and hadn't asked him to listen to the really ninety minute Ezra Klein con, uh, podcast about it. But if anyone is listening, and and wants to listen to a really interesting uh, discussion about infrastructure and why it's particularly expensive in the United States to do and time consuming, I would really recommend that's a wonderful podcast. Anyway, if you'd like to get in the weeds on different subjects, yeah. I would recommend going to your podcast player and checking it out because it's fascinating. So not to digress too much, but cost infrastructure is very costly, but I think you wanted to, you, after listening to that, I think you, you suggested that we actually um, do a little bit of a deeper dive into what actually is in the bill. Cause he ain't, Director Connect and I kind of jumped around, but we didn't really talk about what was in the bill. So do you want to start off, start us off with that?
1: Yeah, I can do that. So it's, it's, uh, there's a lot in the bill, right? It's a, it's $1.2 trillion uh, in funding for infrastructure. That's not all new Uh, as a nation. We've been spending money on infrastructure, but about half of that figure is new. So it's $550 billion above the baseline level that we've been spending. And it's kind of broken up into different categories uh the biggest chunk, the bulk of it is for transportation so that's about 284 billion dollars for transportation and that breaks down into various categories of roads and bridges and money for repair and transit um, there's money specifically in the transportation section for electric vehicles and electric vehicle charging stations and then the rest of it is you know there's a there's a a, a nice chunk 65 billion for broadband which i think is super important and we really need to be thinking about broadband um, as a as a public service, um, and then there's money in there for power and grid and water and resiliency, um, spread across all these different agencies. Um, so that's kind of the big picture at the federal level, um, and then that's going to get distributed by a variety of complicated funding formulas to to the states. And there's some amount of money that the state of Tennessee can expect.
0: Well, before, before I do want to talk about the state, but um, but the One of the things that the, I mean, first of all, I thought it was not surprising, but interesting when I asked, you know, director connect about what people could, you know, look forward to um, how people would see their, you know, their lives changed. He said, you know, repaving, I mean, fixing potholes is, is, is the number one thing that people contact them about and then routine street repaving is behind schedule i mean all streets need to be repaved on a particular schedule that's behind and um and then and, and he and i talked for a minute about i mean i think one of the you know sort of ancillary benefits is because um because of our local codes now whenever streets are repaved you know they get bike and pedestrian improvements if they've been deemed it's not an add on you know so more streets so presumably more money for street repaving is more money for bike lanes and better sidewalks and things like that so but but one of the things he and I did not connect did not talk about and you flagged to me is a portion of the budget for reconnecting communities so what do you know about that
1: yeah it's uh, it's interesting so there's a there's a billion dollars in the federal bill for something called reconnecting communities pilot program uh, and this has to do with sort of our our national legacy of infrastructure development and how it ha- has uh, basically over history caused a great deal of racial inequity right so you think about The freeway construction of the 1950s and and afterwards and the impact that that had on different types of communities, Um, a lot of that caused a great deal of racial inequity, not only by accelerating mostly white suburbanization that kind of hollowed out cities, but thinking specifically about where those interstate highways were built, right? We had the government looking for the the cheapest possible land and the path of least resistance. And in many cases, city after city, we have seen communities of color Negatively affected by those construction uh, of of our country's highways running right through neighborhoods, businesses and, and households uprooted and destroyed, and um, connections between parts of a neighborhood disrupted, residents displaced, and so we we have sort of we have policymakers now acknowledging that that the racial inequities were built into our public infrastructure, and so the idea here is to to put some money into the bill to help. Um, address those issues. In a lot of cases, it will be things like, you know, if you have a, an elevated highway running through a neighborhood, um, maybe taking that elevated highway down and returning re- it back into a more of a, a, a boulevard uh, with medians. So there are a number of cities across the country that have had those kind of impacts that there's some funding in there now to address that. Whether it's enough, I mean, originally there was a $15 billion flagged for this. It got cut down to a billion. And so a lot of people are saying that it's not enough to address that impact that's been caused by previous policy, but um, at least that it's being acknowledged.
0: Well, it's interesting. I was, and I shouldn't even be saying this because I don't really know the specifics, but I was reading an article recently about a city that was proposing to do that and the community didn't want it taken down. It was just already... it, been, You know, the the highway had cut through the neighborhood so long ago, the businesses had shut and they were pushing for something more creative, like, you know, businesses on the, you know, slowing down the street on the business, on the highway and putting businesses there and, but not actually taking it down um, yeah. because it was, you know, it's, that's, things had developed around it. So, right.
1: Yeah, that's a good point. And then it's kind of like disruption part two, a whole generation later. Right.
0: Well and um, and and those like you said, a billion dollars, those projects are not cheap. I mean, think about the one in Boston where they buried the highway. I think that wow. cost billions and took forever.
1: Right. So you might get one project done with the, the entire federal funding allotment. Right.
0: So the so the and then um you mentioned the electric vehicles and I, I asked Robert about that, about um you know, if there would, if he, if he saw, I mean, I think we were already moving in that direction, but if he saw us potentially investing more in that, because that seems important.
1: Yeah. I mean, I think you see a lot of automakers moving in that direction. It does seem to be the way that, that we're going to go in the future. Um, and I think it's interesting because it sort of connects to the big piece of economic development news that's that we're seeing in West Tennessee. And that's the the Blue Oval City megasite development in Haywood County—you know this 3,600-acre campus, five point six billion dollars of, of private investment. Well, what they're doing there is building electric vehicles, electric pickup trucks, which I still can't wrap my head around.
0: <laughs> the is, that, is, it, is, it, is that an oxymoron? <laughs> I, I didn't know that. So they're—they're they're all trucks.
1: Yeah, electric pickup trucks and uh, batteries are being.
0: Well, well tru- aren't trucks the most—the most popular vehicle?
1: I yeah, probably. <laughs> I don't. I don't know, but yeah, probably. It does seem like um, a
0: contradiction in terms. Yeah. But.
1: Um... So, but there's an interesting connection there, right? There's 15 billion dollars in in our, whatever it is, in, in the in the bill for electric vehicles. Yeah, 15 billion dollars for electric vehicle infrastructure. Half of that is for charging stations, and half of it is for for clean buses and ferries, which is also interesting. But the idea of you know having an industry in our part of the state that is related to that um could be a good thing and then just the opportunity to have more electric vehicle charging stations in general i think would be a positive um i for a while i don't i don't have this car anymore but for a while we uh, were leasing a nissan leaf an electric vehicle um we had it for three years and <clears throat> you know we get 100 miles on a charge i think the newer ones get get more than that. And hundred miles was pretty much good enough to get to the office and back and do the day's errands and, you know, get out to the soccer game. Um, uh, but if you had to do any bit, any more than that, there were a lot of, there were a good number of days where I was driving home and the, the battery gauge was telling me I've got zero miles left and there was nowhere to stop and charge. And so I'm just kind of white knuckling at home. Uh, it'd be nice to have more opportunities to just have this network of, of charging stations, uh, so people would feel more comfortable driving greater distances in electric vehicles.
0: The um, well, let's talk a little bit about um, about Blue Oval since you brought it up. I mean, talk about infrastructure. Um, the what impact do you think that do you see Blue Oval having on you know potentially how the state spends its money? Its share of the money, um, and then also locally, you know, there's plans in the works to better connect Memphis and Memphians to Blue Oval um, on a variety of levels. Do you think that's in the cards? Some of our money. I know you don't know. I'm asking you. To, yeah. I'm, I'm asking you to kind of crystal ball, but it is the timing is kind of interesting.
1: Yeah, it's I mean it's really interesting, right. So I think there's about eight billion dollars estimated it will be coming to, to Tennessee, right from the federal allocation. Um, and there's sort of categories of how that's going to get split up. Um, but yeah, my first thought in thinking about this was, right, this blue oval development is not in a developed area, right? It's a 3,600 acre um, 3,600 acres of rural land that we need to get power to, get gas to, get water to, get sewer lines to the site, um, and not just the site itself, but the inevitable residential developments and commercial development and other manufacturing that will follow. So you know, in the back of my mind, I'm, I'm thinking about how much of that uh, is gonna eat up the state's allocation of this infrastructure bill funding I mean, you have to think that state officials are already thinking about how much of that infrastructure bill funding is going to come into play here. Uh, I mean, there's already a a slew of state incentives that were promised to this thing, uh, $884 million worth. So a big chunk of that uh, was set aside for new interchanges on on I-40 to accommodate this growth. But, you know, the way that these various funding sources work together, they get mixed into the same pot. You don't really know where they go. So... Um, I think there's some some questions to be asked there about how much of this uh, state allocation will be eaten up by that development.
0: Well, and this, the state invested a ton in infrastructure to try to attract someone like a Ford. I mean, I think in the ballpark of half a billion or a billion, I mean, there was a lot of investment made on the front end um, to make it, you know, to make the site ready. Um, and, but you're, you're probably right. I'm guessing that, um, that this money will come in the nick of time um, to help fill some of those other gaps. So, so if you're just joining as you're listening to Memphis Metropolis and WYXR 91.7 FM and I'm talking to Charlie Santo, who's head of the city regional planning department at the University of Memphis and one of our regular commentators. And we're talking about the exciting topic of infrastructure and specifically <laughs> the impact of the federal infrastructure bill on Memphis and the metropolitan area. So um, so Charlie started this, going back to the second part of my question, do you think it would be appropriate or a good idea? I mean, we are gonna have to, um, There's a great need, and maybe I'm hoping we could potentially do a whole separate Memphis Metropolis on this. I mean, there's a great need to um, make sure that this development benefits um, certainly residents of the Memphis area and through, you know, specifically through jobs and um so does it do you think it's appropriate to spend some of this money on to the extent it's eligible um Mm -hmm. on making those connections stronger
1: yeah and i think we've got a lot a lot of opportunity to think about that and to think about uh the regional implications of this new development and and to really do some regional planning and i think that you know not just for the benefit of, of memphians but the folks in these rural communities in in Haywood County and the surrounding area, you know, they've have a, a, a way of life that they want to preserve as well. They don't want to see their, their communities become just kind of sprawling, uh, strip development. And so if they want to preserve that rural nature or small town nature, there may be some cluster housing development that happens out there, but they also want some of the folks that'll be working those jobs to be coming in from Memphis or coming in from Covington or from Jackson, um, and so I think that we have to think about trying to create opportunities for, for Memphians to benefit from this, to create some regional equity. Uh, because you think about it, we've got a lot of employees in Memphis in in low-income jobs that might see, I think these jobs at the Blue Oval facility are going to be a little bit more of a higher skilled manufacturing job and and hopefully higher paid, uh, and therefore probably really appealing to some folks that are in currently in lower paid jobs here in Memphis. Uh, and so if we're not thinking about making connections and making it easier for people to get out there, I mean, it's 60 miles away, uh, then we're thinking about, you know, if we're not making it easy for people to get there, then people are going to move from here to be closer to it. Uh, and I think that's something that we want to avoid happening. Um,
0: well, yeah, people moving from, people moving to Arlington, for example, right. and cutting 20 minutes off of that commute, um, you know, family who lives in, Yeah.
1: You know. Yeah, I, you know, I know, I know the folks at MATA have already thought about is there a, a light rail connection uh, possibility here? Um, so there may be ways to, to sort of tap into this big pot of funding to to accommodate that.
0: Well, I see that there's a, of course I have I didn't read the whole bill, but I see that there's a bucket for research. Is there also uh, funding for planning? I mean, you mentioned that you know some of these um, Memphis Shelby County and some of these also municipalities are going to need to do planning, especially if they do want to preserve some of their rural character. Is there money in this new bill for to from from to for planning from an infrastructure perspective? Do you know
1: that I I don't know for sure. Um... Uh, I mean, the 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 use, the use of these fundings can be pretty vague and so probably can be done. There is also money in the, the, the big bucket of funds that the state allocated to support the Blue Oval development. There is money in that for planning. Okay. Um, so uh, hopefully that comes into play.
0: Okay. Last question. Um, you know, when I was talking to Director Connect, we talked about, you know, people – you know, who want to get their potholes fixed and getting street free pigs and a lot of the bread and butter of infrastructure that's important to, pe- to people's quality of life. But um, I asked him about the possibility of, you know, if, I, and I, if he saw any of these funds going to some kind of transformative projects like the um, the big river crossing and, and, and he's, you know, he was excited about that and mentioned that an example of those, the, the next kind of project like that might be the proposed work on the riverfront front to, mm-hmm. to um, it's really, I think to make, Street landing bigger or move it and to accommodate more riverboats, something that Mayor Strickland has been encouraging. And there's some proposals to potentially close Wolf River Harbor. I don't know how I feel about that, but 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 that is from an economic development perspective would be a big deal. And he was very excited about that. And but it sounds like when you and I talked, you felt like because the bill has been cut. Um, and it's, um, there is so much deferred maintenance that, that you didn't think there would necessarily be money in there for any of these big, sexy things.
1: Well, who knows? I mean, that's, it's, goes back to that, the question about reconnecting communities and and equity and infrastructure decisions. Right. Um, so yeah, I mean, there's going to be $8 billion to come to the state of Tennessee. sounds like a lot. But then there's just this TASA report, which is the Tennessee Advisory Commission on Intergovernmental Relations.
0: Which what what is you, you did you did spell it out? But explain yeah. what
1: TASA is. It's a state agency that does research on on what kind of our needs are and policy making. Um, and so their assessment was that Tennessee would have to spend sixty one point nine billion dollars to erase. Uh, the inventory of needed infrastructure improvements over the next five years. So, really, eight billion dollars coming to the state sounds like a lot, but sixty-two billion dollars is more than that. So, uh, there's a lot of deferred maintenance needs, right? We have that bridge that we taped back together. Um, maybe we need to think. We're more make about Arkansas that.
0: pay for that out of their <laughs> out of their portion of the. Of
1: the infrastructure yeah. bill <laughs> that's, that's yeah we could do that uh, so yeah, when I when I looked at that, I thought, man, I don't know if we're gonna get anything fun or sexy like a big river crossing uh, but or something more useful like bus rapid transit or other improvements to, to transit systems uh, but you know I at the same time I would still not be surprised if a big chunk of money went to building a ferris wheel on the riverfront because you know that's kind of how we do things.
0: Is that part of the proposal to put a Ferris wheel on the riverfront?
1: Yeah, that's that's the part of the whole the pitch that the mayor was making. It's the expanding the expanding the Bill Street uh, landing, bringing another ferry boat in, and I
0: don't know. Oh, yeah. I don't. I guess I don't remember about that. I yeah. I guess I have mixed feelings about that. On the one hand, I think it's very tacky, but on the other hand, I think it would be very cool to ride a Ferris wheel on the riverfront. And I think it would probably bring a
1: lot of people in. So oh, yeah. I would, I would talk bad about it and then I would go and use it. Yeah. <laughs>
0: yeah. I mean, it's I like the
1: bass Pro shop. I don't use the Bass pro shop. I just talk bad about it.
0: Well, the thing about the bass pro shop is that it was, it was, I was just telling someone who's visiting Memphis about, you know, it was the ultimate white elephant. And we just, when Bass Pro came along, we said, please take it. And I think it was, I, I really think it was the best use for that space in a, in the fiscal environment we were in. So, um,
1: was a weird space to try to reuse for sure. A
0: weird space to try to reuse and, um, yeah, a Ferris wheel. Okay. <laughs> Sounds like a future topic from Memphis Metropolis. <laughs> Does our riverfront need a Ferris wheel? Yeah. Okay. All right. Well, Charlie, as always, we've run out of time. So, but this has been a really great discussion and um, I'm excited about the infrastructure, the new infrastructure dollars coming to Memphis. I think it is long overdue. The federal government made this kind of investment. I think it's going to be, no matter what you think about the president, I think it's going to be an important part of his legacy. So, yep. so um, you've been listening to Memphis Metropolis on WYXR 91.7 FM And I've been talking to Charlie Santo from University of Memphis, um, one of my regular commentators. So, Charlie, thank you so much for coming back on
1: Memphis Metropolis. Thank you. I can't wait to see what we get in our infrastructure gift bag.
0: (laughs) I like that. Our our swag bag, our infrastructure swag bag. You've been listening to Memphis Metropolis on WYXR 91.7 FM. I'm Emily Trenum. Memphis Metropolis airs every Monday at 1, so please tune in again next week. You can listen to past programs on our program page at wyxr.org or on memphismetropolis.com. You can also follow us and send feedback on social media. Now, stay tuned for Memphis Undercover with Nancy.